The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue in this series on our introduction to the book of Revelation, Elder Buddy Abernathy continues looking at some of the attributes of Christ as seen by John on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation chapter 1. As we've already stated, the symbolic language that we find later on in the book of Revelation must never supersede or overturn the fundamental clear doctrines that are taught in the Scripture. Chapter 1 lays out some of those doctrines by looking at Christ and his work and his power and his glory. Join us today as we continue looking at this introduction to the book of Revelation. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Hey! 
continue tonight in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, and we're on verse 15, but I want to begin reading in verse 10 so that we can connect all the thoughts together. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. John writes, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. Now, we don't want to review too much, but I know there are a number of people here tonight that weren't here this morning. So let me just emphasize, first of all, in verse 10, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. How important that is as we tried to uh, emphasize this morning that we labor to be in the Spirit, especially on the Lord's day. Now, as we go down in the verses that follow, notice in verse 12, after Jesus had said, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. John says in verse 12, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, we'll learn later that the seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches. And the thing I tried to emphasize this morning is when John heard the voice of Jesus, he turned and saw the candlesticks. And I believe one of the things we need to understand from that is that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The words of Jesus, the truth of Jesus has been preserved and perpetuated in the Lord's church. So John heard uh, the Lord's voice, he, heard, he turned to see the voice, and when he turned, he saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. Now this is where I really want to start placing emphasis tonight, because we only got through about three of the five things that describe the Son of Man. But before we continue looking at these descriptions of the Son of Man, I really want you to think about this. Notice in verse 13, John says, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, 
one likened to the Son of God. Now, as we said, we'll see later that the candlesticks are the churches. Notice here, in the midst of the candlesticks, he says, in the midst of the candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man. In other words, the church is the church because of the presence of Jesus. That's how we're different from any other religious organization. And even a church that has severely departed from the faith and perhaps the practice and the moral standards of the Bible will lose the manifest presence of the Lord. So keep that in mind. It says that the Son of Man, referring to Jesus, was in the midst of the seven candlesticks. We are totally dependent on the Lord's presence among us. Otherwise, preaching will just be a dry presentation. Our singing will be dull. We will be no different than a a social club or a religious organization. And we we would be void of this manifest presence of the Spirit of God. So if you don't remember anything else I preached tonight, remember this important point that the Son of Man is in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, which are the churches. If he is not in the midst of the churches, we are helpless and we will fall. You know, As primitive Baptists, we don't have any activities to entertain. Everything we do is only of value if the Lord blesses us with his presence. Have you ever thought about that? There's nothing here that would attract the world. There's nothing here that would impress someone who is only interested in a social club when they attend church. No, we are nothing without the Lord, but we are greatly blessed when he is in the midst of the seven candlesticks. Now this morning, we looked at these first two descriptions of the Son of Man. He's clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. That's the three we looked at. Let's look at the next two. And his feet likened to fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. So, How do we need to to look at that? His feet were like fine brass burned in a furnace. Well, from what I have read, uh, brass, when it is in the furnace, is a very bright 
substance, a very bright metal. And also, we know that when any metal is burned, the purpose of that is generally to purify. And notice this is Jesus' feet that are likened unto brass. Your feet are used to walk. So here I believe the picture we're being given is that the walk of Jesus should be our walk. Now his walk was perfect. His feet are like that fine brass. Not only is his walk a perfect walk, but uh, as we've already said, this brass is a bright. His walk is noticed. And we're to pattern our lives after him. Notice a couple of verses that emphasize this point. In Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways. There's different ways you can travel. Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find what? Rest for your soul. There's a lot of ways you can travel. What is the good way? It's the way of the Lord. We'll see some other verses in a minute that make that very clear. His walk ought to be our walk. His walk is the perfect walk. We need to ask for the old paths. What are the old paths? The paths not of our grandfather, not the paths of our recent ancestors. Hopefully they were walking in truth. You remember Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, to follow me as I follow Christ. It's okay to follow the preacher as long as he's following Christ. So we're to stand in the way, see and ask for the old paths and walk therein and you shall find rest for your souls. See, the general word used for living our lives is walking. You remember Isaiah said that we would mount up with wings as eagles, we shall run and not be weary, and we'll walk and not faint. The normal, most common mode is walking. You know, sometimes I try to get in shape where I can run. Now, it's a very slow pace. But, you know, I can walk miles and miles. And I don't give out of breath. You know, we can walk a long way. You know, here's a side point. You know, Paul said bodily exercise profiteth little. That was written by a man that walked all over the Roman Empire. He walked miles and miles and miles. Jesus did the same. We would be overwhelmed if we had to walk the distances they walked. But the point is this, walking in a spiritual sense is referring to our Normal mode of living, not the unusual times, not the exceptionally exciting times, 
Not the exceptionally low times, but just the normal life of the Christian. And so that's what's under consideration here when it says his feet like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace. Notice how this is described in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. And then look at the same book, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That has to do with your walk, doesn't it? Your deeds are what you do. That's how you live, how you behave. That's your walk. Now, John's not saying don't ever love others in word or tongue. He's, he's saying here's the emphasis. He says don't just love people in uh, word or in tongue, but make sure you're focusing on this in deed and in truth. We're to walk as Jesus walked. That would refer not only to his teachings as you read the Gospels, when you read the Sermon on the Mount, embraced in, I believe, Matthew chapter 5 through about chapter 7 or 8. There's so much information there about how to live, about how to avoid sins. That's what it means to walk in accordance to that perfect, pure walk that identified Him. And then one more along this line. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8. Notice this, he's speaking here of the Pharisees, I believe, and he refers to them as hypocrites. He says in verse 8, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You see, there are many professing Christians that will, as we sometimes say, will talk the talk, but not walk the walk. That's what we need to focus on. And here in particular, notice what the problem was. Notice how their own traditions led to them disobeying the Word of God. Verse 4. Of Matthew 15. For God commanded saying. Honor thy father. And mother. And he that curseth father or mother. Let him die the death. Uh, the Lord was pretty serious about taking care of your parents. And to make a practical application of this. If your parents are no longer 
able to care for themselves. You may reach a point where it is necessary to put them in a nursing home, but they are still your responsibility. You see that? It's still your responsibility to oversee their care, to make sure that they are taken care of. That's not a convenient place to set them aside. Of course, we all need to pray if your parents become disabled. Lord, are we able to tend to them at home? What's best for them? And God knows your hearts. Remember this morning we talked about how God is a discerner both of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God knows our every motive. And if you're seeking to do what would please the Lord in the decisions you make, He'll bless that. But notice what happened here. God said, honor thy father and mother. And He says, he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honoreth not father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Now what's he talking about there? The, the, the way to state that simply is they were being taught that if you use the money which you would otherwise take care of your parents with, but you use that money to give to the church, or in this case, probably give to them, then you're exempt from taking care of your parents. In other words, you're using it in a more important way. You're giving to the Lord's church. But notice what the result was of this. He said, you're uh, by your tradition, verse 6, he said, you've made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition." So he says, you're drawing nigh unto me with your mouth and honor me with your lips, but your heart, that is your intent, your motive to do what pleases the Lord is far from me. So when you read about this description in Revelation, when it says his feet were like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. Remember that if perhaps among other things, that is making reference to the pure walk of Christ. You know, if you read about Jesus and His work in Hebrews 10, He's actually quoting from the Psalms and he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Wouldn't that be a wonderful attitude for us? I'm here. The purpose of my life is to do God's will. Now we know that Jesus had an explicit will. His will was to save his people. But God's will in our life is not some mystical thing that you need to pray that the Lord will bless you to have a dream so you can understand His will. No, God's will is the guidance in His Word. I like the comment Brother Chris has made several times. God's not particularly interested in what your career is. 
but he's interested in you, especially men, providing for and taking care of your family in an honorable way. That's God's will. God's will has to do not with the specific decisions that we might make about which house I'm going to buy, although it won't hurt you to pray about that. And that's what I try to do. But generally speaking, God's will has to do with how you treat your wife, how you raise your children, things regarding our behaviors at work, regardless of what our employment situation is. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 